Yes. Yeah, okay. So we, we may have to wait a little while to have our Talim family party, but I'm, mm. I'm, I'm glad to hear that, that you do that with your family. It is a struggle for, for me. I have, especially with, in my family, my wife is from Hong Kong, I'm from Canada, and there's two, these two different sides that are pulling for that yes. uh, family party. And mm. so it, that's one thing that I, I struggle with as an international uh, teacher and just an international person. I'm going to wrap this up here. We have, we'll try to finish this up in the next few minutes. I've kept you longer than I promised. And I'm going to be a little selfish on this one. I'm going to go towards the arts. And as an art teacher uh, and the host of this podcast, I get to kind of call the shots a little <laughs> bit. In this changing world, going back to that idea with uh, something I posed a question to Mr. Beatty and the, the head of primary. Do you feel the arts are going to play the biggest role in shaping the the minds of these future leaders that we, we have here in our schools where they need to be able to adapt really quickly to this innovative world, this changing world that maybe it's those creative minds mm -hmm. that are able to understand that and make and kind of just roll with things and mm -hmm. say, okay, that industry is not the same as it used to be. That's what I studied for. How do I get into it? And they use their creative mind to kind of mm. find their path. How do you feel the arts are going to play a role with, with how, we, how the future looks? Well, I firmly believe that the arts is integral to life in the sense that, you know, if you talk about education, it's pure academic sense. We can learn what we need to know, but actually the arts helps us to realise how we should feel about it. And so the more emotional, creative understanding and sense of understanding comes from the arts and the application of the arts. So from a right-hand, left-hand brain um, activity, I don't think they're actually exclusive and uh, need to be. Very, they do need to be very much part of one approach. And if you look at the flexibility, the adaptability, the agility that each industry is facing now, let alone when our children graduate and come through higher education, the time now is where we need that creativity and those, fle those flexible arrangements looking at how people work and how people act and what are the careers of the future. And creating that mindset of students now, which is why the IB as a curriculum is just such a strong performing curriculum across the world, is going to actually create leaders who can take a legacy or historical approach to something and come at it in a different way. That whole line of inquiry, well, why do we do it like that? Why have we always done it like that? What else can we do? And how can we be more effective? When I came into Talim, I set about with four strategic platforms in mind. The first one was growth, and that was about filling up our schools and, and creating new schools. And the second one was operational excellence because we needed the structure and the rigour and the platforms around that to make things work. And even now, we're looking every year, well, we've always done it like that, how can we do it differently? How do we do it better? So operational excellence is a permanent virtuous circle of going around and challenging ourselves to say, are we still operationally excellent? Can we improve? And always the answer is yes, and we do something different the following year. And that often requires investment or a change of structure in terms of how we approach things, but it's always a constant focus for us. As is developing our people, because we are all about people, as I mentioned earlier, and then the community engagement, because the schools can't stand in isolation. You do need the parents, you need the wider community network, you need the school advisory board and the parent association to be 
key influences in how we're shaping the school day and the school impact. So, so those four strategic platforms have always served me well in the matter which um, organisation I've worked in. Sometimes they've been six platforms and there's been another couple of imperatives, but here the four key areas of focus, I think, are something that are permanently open to challenge, permanently open to what can we do differently and how do we do it better. And the, the great virtue, I think, of schools is that there is a cycle. There is an academic year. You start in September here and you finish in July and you have those periods where you can actually say across the year, right, now is the time for reflection, now is the time for planning, now is the time for implementation and execution. And that cycle helps you move forward. And finally, on the arts again, but to wrap this up, mm -hmm. I asked uh, Mr. Ian, if the school were a movie, what would it be? And his answer um, actually came with some data, I guess. There was some actually analysis about what it would, and it was kind of Indiana Jones kind of thing, which when I shared to a few people, they thought, wow, it was quite shocking to kind of see this giant boulder chasing mm. Harrison Ford down a, a corridor or something. But it was about adventure and risk-taking and all these things. It was however people feel about the movie, I'm not sure. But if you were to walk through a gallery and you see a bunch of paintings, but the paintings represented the schools in Tallinn, and you got to that final room that was on its own because it was in Ab it was the Abu Dhabi wing or something, and mm -hmm. there it was the Raha International painting, and we think of something from Van Gogh or what what mm -hmm. artwork initially kind of pops to mind that would would wrap up. Well, I'm always in awe of the art that is here, and there we go. You know, even in Ian's office, you can see there's plenty of student pieces here. So, but I would probably go towards someone like Claude Monet, an impressionist painting, because something that you can interpret in your own way, but is not so off the wall that you're looking at it. That's a very modern sort of Picasso-like thing, and you're thinking, what on earth was this in the first place? But right. for me, as a traditionist. Um, something like Claude Monet's um, paintings would be, any of them actually, would be great to actually be able to take an angle and your own view on it. And I think that's what is the success of Raha, that we have a community of over 2,000 students here and nearly 200 staff. And from that perspective, everybody here has their own impression, their own background, their own history, but they all contribute and make the whole picture. There we go. And I guess before you see that painting, you'd have to take that glass cleaner out and kind of <laughs> polish, your, just polish your glasses just so you can make sure that the painting did in fact look a little bit short-sighted short or near-sighted <laughs> or far-sighted or however that painting kind of looks to people, um, all, all of his work. But thank you so much for sitting down and talking with me. I hope it was as enjoyable for you and it has, as it has been for me. And to the listeners out there, thank you again. I am your host, Mark Ryan, and you have been listening to Raha talking with teachers, and I'm just touching my phone trying to get this thing to allow me to stop it. <laughs> and it is officially stopped. Thank you so much. Thank you.